0: Back in the Football Shed, the podcast for football fans that live in the wrong time zone. My name's John Hewitt and Jeff Ding is here. G'day. G'day, Jeff. How are you going?
1: I'm looking forward to this one, I tell you. I, I feel like so today's West Ham. And um, I feel like I could talk for 45 minutes just on the Dildo brothers, let alone, you know, signing Jack <laughs> Wiltshire, my my you know, insane love for Dean Ashton. I've been thoroughly looking forward to this one.
0: Gonna be a good one. So, yes, this is the next in our series of shed specials, um, where we talk to fans based in Australia of Premier League football clubs, and today we are talking West Ham. We're joined by Robert and Rick from the Sydney Hammers, part of the West Ham United supporters Club here in Australia. Hi guys, how you going?
2: Hey boys, hey fellas.
0: Um, we're extremely jealous because you are based in New South Wales, so you're sat in a pub. Just relaxing having a pint while Jeff and I are sat at home with the washing. So uh, it's great to see you and all, but
2: <laughs> <laughs> we feel we feel really terrible about that. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: thanks for joining us today. Um, I was just wondering if you could give us a little bit of a background to the Sydney Hammers and maybe the wider Hammers supporters groups around Australia. Like, is there a, have you been around for a while? Is there many of you? Do you get together in pubs to watch games, etc.?
2: Well, I, I I don't understand why you guys are actually doing this podcast because I listened to the Southampton one and I thought all you need to do is dub the words West Ham over Southampton because <laughs> <through the> <laughs> you
3: started
2: a Facebook page, went around getting emails, and then suddenly there's thousands of us coming out like cockroaches. <laughs> Yeah, no, pr- pr- pretty much the same as the, the Southampton boys. Like uh, we are, it's a it's a good time to actually do this podcast because it's actually the tenth year anniversary of the first Sydney Hammers meet this week. So that's uh, oh nice. Um, yeah, and it's also the um, I think it's the eight year anniversary of uh, young Dylan Tombides who made his debut for West Ham. Yeah. Unfortunately, Dylan yeah. passed away, you know, uh, a few years back. So, uh, and it's our one hundred and twenty fifth. Anniversary at West Ham too, so it's uh, yeah, pretty good timing for for the for the podcast for us to do the podcast. Um, as I say, we started about ten years ago. It's just a group uh, we got together. I think one of the lads, Jason, put together a Facebook page and said, "Is anybody around who supports West Ham? Let's go for a beer and, and watch the game." We did that. We went down to Cheers Bar in George Street, where a lot of the other New South Wales Sydney groups go. Uh, yeah, it was it was amazing just to meet other fans. Yep. Uh, as you guys will, will testify to um, at whatever it was, 10, 11 o'clock at night watching a game. We just desperately missed live football, desperately missed being around other fans and uh, to see the boys in the jerseys. And again, they're all great fellows, similar stories uh, to each other, being here a number of years, et cetera, et cetera. And then just build from there, you know, I mean, Again, like the Southampton boys, we're now at a stage where we've got huge membership. Um, we travel all around Australia doing national meets. We've had them in Adelaide. We've had them in Brisbane. We've done the trip over to New Zealand for when West Ham came out and toured. And uh, yeah, it's just a, an amazing group to be part of. And, and as I said, like, even when we're not watching games, we meet up for five aside. Uh, we do other charity events and stuff. And it's just the, the hunger to be around other West Ham fans. And um, it just kind of, you know, quenches that thirst, I guess.
0: That's awesome. And uh, we definitely have picked a good time to talk to you guys about West Ham after your 4-0 win last night. So uh, oh, p- we picked a good time. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I had genuinely, when you won last night, I was like, oh, I'm so thankful that they won last night. <laughs> if
2: we're going to win the league now. Everything's fine. We don't care about the Ghana, We don't care about the Davids. Everything's wonderful.
0: Everything's brilliant. Oh, well, Good. Um but before we get stuck into West Ham we're going to play our game that we play every Episode, which is Zidane or Kilban. No, now definitely, Jeff is going to run. This. Definitely not. No chance. Well, I was going to say, so Jeff will uh, take over for Zidane or Kilban, But I, uh, you guys, I think, have a little bit of a contention with the game Zidane or Kilban. Is that correct?
2: Well, I don't understand the game because clearly you've got <laughs> two legends, two legends of the game. You've got Zidane, who's a decent footballer, you know won some stuff, most known for head a player and getting stent <laughs> up. And then you've got Kevin Kilban, I think it was West Brom's first ever million-pound player. You've got uh, third record signing for Sunderland. Let's leave out the um, the Kilban curse, because that's just media fake news. <laughs> and I- Something like sixty odd consecutive games for the Republic of Ireland, the mighty Republic of Ireland, absolute <laughs> pillars of international football. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't understand why one's good and one's bad when they're both legends.
1: Okay, so, so just just for you, Robbie, today we will reverse the the pecking order. So you can you can claim that good is Kilban and rubbish is Zidane.
2: <laughs> oh that's what you did I get it oh. I get it now. yeah yeah no that makes sense that Okay, makes sense. That's so sense <laughs> picking out Kilbane as a bad footballer when you've got so, so many well, well things to
1: look as, as an Everton fan it, it doesn't take too much convincing to tell me that Zidane Kilban is any good
3: yeah fair
1: enough okay okay so VAR Zidane or Kilban? Zidane
2: awful Awful. <laughs> oh. I'm gonna have to get used to this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
3: yeah I know, right.
2: All right. Let's 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 do it the right way around. So, so none of us have- uh, Okay. It's Guild It's terrible. It's it's absolutely killing the game. Um. I, I did like what the the boys were saying last podcast about um you know certain aspects of it it levels the playing field against the big clubs um, mm. and that point they do take on board but you know the the you can't celebrate after a goal yeah. you hold your breath you're waiting for the, the replay and the thing I loved about football was that there were contentious decisions and that's what you spoke about in the pub afterwards yeah. and at the end of the day it does all level out I mean yeah okay Man United get the rub of the green probably more than anybody else but uh, it should level out over time. So I, I think it's awful. I think my, my personal conspiracy theory on this one is it's for the the um, the gambling websites because it means that they have a much better uh, algorithm to use when nothing is left to chance. So I, I think that the the massive influence in there. Um, they still fuck it anyway. They, they do it exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Rick ruined my point, but uh, yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely your band for me. Yeah, great. Um, the A League. Oh, again, th- again. Why did you do this podcast? The said Ampton Boys nailed it. You know, five years ago, everyone was five years ago, everyone was, was just absolutely in love with the idea of it. Um, you know, Western Sydney Wanderers fans gone ballistic in the. Yeah. In the terraces, everyone's scared of them, and yeah, you know it was just awesome. Sydney FC had this great rivalry, and um, like I'm actually a Brisbane Roar fan uh, because when we went up to Brisbane and did our national meet, I just decided there and then I wasn't going to choose a Sydney team, uh, which was too easy. Um, and and I it, it's just so difficult to get excited about the game. I think doing things like the uh, the Del Piero experiment taking huge chunks of money and throwing it at one player and not putting it into grassroots just absolutely ruins it for me. Plus I have a fundamental problem with the whole um the the whole no relegation thing. I, I think relegation mm. and why wouldn't you copy the best league in the world? Yeah. The English Premier League is clearly the best league in the world. You know, arguably I'd say is the the best league in the world. Why why would you not follow that um, th- that process and do relegation it, it you know it de- three quarters right through the season there's nothing to play for from for half the teams it doesn't make any sense
1: well there are only two major sporting nations that don't have relegation and promotion and that's the United States and Australia and they're both franchise models so you just follow the money you, you won't buy a franchise if you can get relegated
2: yeah and you know it just doesn't that, that model doesn't doesn't work for me it doesn't suit no, with me you. because at the end no. of the day the money's gone the money's gone yeah. out of the game it doesn't work you know uh i think it was uh Foxtel had the rights and then you know everyone was everyone looked forward to we used to go watch the a league first we'd be in the royal exhibition hotel yeah. in the city and it would just go straight into uh, the premier yeah. league and, and that had so much um traction because of that mm. you know people are like let's do our day in that way that we could get the A League in first and then shoot, shoot off into the EPL and, and it kept you awake. Now it'll put you to sleep.
3: I used to be on a uh, street in Sydney called Favos Street, right in the middle of Surrey Hills. And mm. it's it's the it's the street where everyone walk walk up from Central Station up to the football stadium. And in the first few years, you'll get hundreds of people in FC jerseys coming up to the game. But it just doesn't happen now. Yeah, no, wow. It, it, it's it's yeah, insane. I, I worked up
0: in Sydney for a couple of weeks and uh, I was in a pub near that way and was just like, what the hell is that noise? And then it was um, Sydney fans yeah, walking truck. down the street, cheering on the way to the ground. I was uh-huh. like, this is brilliant. And uh, yeah. this is that's what you want to see. Um, but if that's gone, then have lost it.
1: Okay, last one, last one on my list. Um, Jordan Pickford.
3: Oh. Zidane or Kilban? <laughs> Um,
0: silence speaks a thousand words
3: Um, what's worse than Kilbane yeah what's worse than Kilbane
2: Rick just said Gary (laughs) Breen Gary
3: Breen
0: brilliant awesome let's move off uh, Zidane or Kilbane or Kilbane or Zidane whatever we're calling it now Um, but let's start talking about West Ham um, I think we need to start, um, we're still in the transfer window, and this transfer window has been a bit controversial for you guys at West Ham, um, you've only bought in Suchek, um, who you had on loan last year and just made his deal permanent, you've obviously lost Grady Diagana to West Brom, um, which West Br- uh, Mark Noble was very outwardly spoken about how upset he was about it. Um, what's going on with the transfers at the moment? What position? With well, you got a week left? Is there anyone coming in? Do we know what's going on?
2: Not really. I mean, we there's a, a great um, Twitter account, ex West Ham United employee um, himself, and a shout out to the West Ham Way boys, ex uh, and Dave Walker, yeah. two, two absolute legends over there in London who do so much for for the fans and for West Ham. But I, I follow ex. Pretty much is the only in the know Twitter handle, and um, he he hasn't been too lively in terms of transfers. Um, and I obviously don't know any more than he does. Um, yeah. <laughs> but when you when you talk about transfers, you really have to kind of talk about the bigger picture w- where we are and and what the 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 Davids, the two Davids are doing. Yeah. Um, you know it, it's just it's a bit of a mess all around. Um, and and I've always been to be honest I've been quite an optimist and quite a supporter of the club because the club have always been really good to me and to the to the Sydney Hammers yep. um but it's when Mark Noble comes out and starts having a crack at you you know there's there's a massive problem there yep. um Mark Noble has the support of every West Ham fan on the planet and he has a lot of pull in dressing room too so uh, I think you know, when you talk about transfers, there, there, there's something else afoot there, and the fact that David Moyes came in, and I actually like David Moyes. Yeah. I don't think he's that bad. Um, I think he gets a, a, you know, a bit of a hard, a hard time from some fans, but. You know, after a 4-0 win today, hopefully it shows that he's he's doing something right. Yeah, staying home, I think. Yeah, staying yeah. home.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that was but, the problem. Uh, Getting get uh, sick. He's, he's got sick, which is good. Um,
2: but, uh, yeah, so who knows that the boys aren't spending money um,
3: and that's and they're taking a lot of money out of the club. Yeah, they're, we're really worried. Well, there's a there's major concern that they're asset stripping, and that's whether that can be proven or not, It's another story, but it's definitely a genuine concern amongst West Ham fans. So uh, it makes it really hard to, as Robbie said before, feel a sense of optimism about this transfer window and beyond. Uh, And he went – David David Sullivan went on, I think it was TalkSport this week. And I'm not going to get into the interview, but he just made himself look even worse. So – Well, he he complained about the fact that it's going to cost him 50 grand, 50K to, to send us to Everton for the League Cup.
1: <laughs> <laughs> maybe just maybe you just don't go and give us a bye. <sighs> The, um, so last year, where there was a um, a bunch of stories came out very close together when you guys were close to the bottom. So obviously, you know, pre-COVID break, the the um, the finances of the club were very precarious, and and getting relegated would have would have put you in a really tight spot. So you know, there were stories of the the training ground facilities, you know, still being in porter cabins, and having sold Upton Park and moved into the um, uh, Olympic Stadium. You, you know, your fixed asset portfolio is has been depleted, which is why when you say taking money out of the club, it kind of resonates to what we were hearing last year. And because of that, I thought Moyes was a good signing because I thought Moyes would keep you up. And if it was that perilous, then actually staying in the Premier League is very, very important. Um, but it does – that would concern me when you look at transfer windows and, and you hear what the Dildo brothers have said about, you know, we we needed to sell – Someone before we bought someone, and no one wanted to buy anyone else. So we're going to sell Diagana. That that to me would be a concern. Are you are you as concerned as I am from as an observer, or do you feel more confident?
2: Um, I, I guess the, the main feeling is apathy at the moment. Like we're so exasperated with, yeah. you know, the the last few years. And um, we, you know, Diagana is just it's just horrific. You know, you put all this effort and time and money into this young player, bring him through the ranks, get him to the point where he's Premier League ready and then you sell him. Against his will, mind you. Yeah, it doesn't make it, it doesn't make any <laughs> sense. And he's the player, that, and he's the player that's um, uh, supplying Alaire who hadn't been yeah. scoring up to that point. Um, it, it just doesn't make any sense. And look, you know, I, I was I was half, a glass half full with the whole Upton Park thing. I didn't. No one wanted to leave Upton Park, but I got it. And I was, like, looking at other Premier League teams and saying, yeah, they've had an upgrade, they've done. And I actually went – when I went to the London Stadium, a lot of people hate it. I didn't. I loved it. I thought it was great. And um, Having said that, I did get uh, good seats. So that does make a bit of a difference.
1: Oh, but, you, were, um, you were the one in the good seats.
2: Yeah, that was me. <laughs> I, was actually, I was actually a good for the game. <laughs> and, uh, they, they gave me a flag. <laughs> and, uh, but now I said it to someone, the man who gave me his uh, – his seat, yeah. so thanks very much, Simon, who regularly gives us a seat uh, when we go over. But um, yeah, I actually liked the stadium, and I got all that. But now everything combined, um, it's just it, it is very scary. You know, our training facilities. I've never been there, so I haven't seen it myself. But from what I hear, we have the worst training facilities in the Premier League. I don't know how we how we stay up, to be honest with you. Um, and and I think that the players. I mean, look, yeah, it's a 4-0 win this morning, so I'm feeling a little bit happier yeah. than the normal. But, you know, I actually think that the players now and David Moyes are kind of like, fuck this. You know, we're, let, let's give it everything that we have and screw everything that's going on behind the scenes. Um, but if, you're, if it's, you know, not being run well from the top down, it, it is very concerning. And Karen Brady doesn't do herself any favours. Yeah. Um, nice. But with the West Ham faithful and other clubs as well, especially that bloody um, uh, piece she does in the the paper every every so often, that's just a disgrace. Um, But yeah, I I just think they could be doing so much more to make things a little bit easier for us fans, considering that, you know, the results don't normally go
3: our way. And I think to make matters worse, we're in a situation here where we're potentially losing one of our best. Best players from our academy, like apart from Grady, but with Declan rumored to go to Chelsea any, at any moment. Nah, no, be a fucking disaster. You know, like the, it, it's it, it feels like it's imminent. And if you and if you follow ex-West Ham employee who Robbie just mentioned, you know he's been quite measured in his in his approach to it, but it does seem like he will be gone at some point. And how how can you blame someone like Declan to want to wanna leave? You know, and yeah. it's, it's, it's such a it, 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 it epitomises
1: the state of the club. So, so flashback to sorry, John. I'm just going to keep going here. Flashback to when you um, so when Pellegrini first took charge, and you were playing pretty attractive football. You know, you played with the diamond formation, lots of overlapping. It was very attacking. Um, you suddenly made the London Stadium look like a. Um, you know, look like an international standard venue with a with a top quality football team in there. And people were talking about, you know, why has Pellegrini gone to West Ham? He's world class. And, and I remember, you know, I don't mean that in an insulting way. I just mean that that was the rhetoric at the time. We were seeing great footballers who were being bought for big money go to West Ham, who had a, a top quality m- manager. That... There was a point where that changed. What do you put that down to? Is that just the coach? What was it? Was it the players themselves? Did they buy into something that they that wasn't? I'm not sure what it was, but that wasn't too long
0: ago. They didn't show them the training ground.
2: (laughs) 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 That's pretty much it. I I don't know. That's the gut honest truth. Like Pellegrini, you know, he was. yeah, he, he is a world-class manager, and we did get some good players in. Um, but it's just, it's just typical West Ham, you know. Like we no matter how good things seem, they, they just tend to go to shit pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's our lives, and that's the lives that I've passed on to my two beautiful sons. <laughs>
3: Sometimes it seems like Pellegrini was a was a no plan B manager. And so mm. he wanted to run, he wanted to play attractive football, but when you had to kind of grind some results out, it, it just didn't work at West Ham with that mentality. Now, that could be totally incorrect, but that that was how, how I felt watching like his progress with us.
0: Yeah. Because he brought in players like um, Yarmolenko, Lanzini was already there, Philippe Anderson was there, and this, Haller came in, and these players... Uh, Big on big wages and paid a lot of money for. And now you've got Moyes come in, and you he's gone reverted to Mikel Antonio, who I absolutely love. Um Bowen, he's bought in, who I think's done pretty well. Obviously, the Noble and Rice have been there. You've got this kind of weird mishmash of half um Pellegrini, half Moyes team. Is there any way they can make that work this season? Like Haller's not been playing, he's coming off the bench or playing in the EFL Cup. Is there a way that you think Moyes can actually make this work?
2: Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think he just needs to, I think first and foremost, change the way um, Alair uh, is positioned. I think that, you know, he was successful as last club uh, playing in a completely different role. Um, so I think if he reverts back to that and sticks with it for a while, gives him a chance to, Uh, to maybe bang a few more in. I mean, he he did score um, a few over the last few games. But he's not Andy Carroll.
3: He he, he was treated like an Andy
2: Carroll man. but Mm. that's
3: not not how he plays. That's not how – that's not when he's at his
2: best. And and he's – I mean, with all due respect to him, like even when he scores, he just kind of lumbers away from the goal as if, like, yeah, that's him. That's he did that for like. So, like, you know, he's he's not going to be bouncing around the pitch like West Ham fans would like. Um, so he needs he needs somebody to supply the ball to him, and he will put it away. So I think just a, just a few tweaks. I mean, you know, that was a great result this morning, and uh, Bowen. Like, I remember maybe it was a. I can't remember when I was. It was a, a little while ago. I remember looking at Bowen play and he he was just running his balls off the whole yeah. game. And I thought to myself, that if, if this guy continues on doing this, he's gonna end up coming good. Yarmolenko, I think, went in, he went really hot and cold and then just stayed cold. But I think he's coming back <laughs> too. I think Sucek is is scoring. Antonio mm-hmm. is just an absolute legend. Yeah. Strong, fast finisher. Um, and you know, with Fabianski in goal, staying fit, if we can fi- if we can figure out our defence and maybe add to our midfield just a just a touch, I-, I think we've got you know a-, a chance at being top half
3: of the table. Well, let's be honest though. If we want to look at last season and how perilous it, it almost became, the real issue was is that we didn't have a have a good second goalkeeper. So when Fabianski went down. Mm-hmm. We were in yeah. big, big, big trouble, and that was that was literally the issue. Yeah, and turned on yeah. a sixpence. And Pellegrini, Pellegrini had no plan B with yeah. that with him, and he was too stubborn to make another move. Yeah, that's
2: actually a really good point. It was exactly that. As soon as Fabianski got injured, our, our season was fucked. our season was over. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well,
0: because looking at your squad, I looked through your squad today and just went, "Hang on a sec, this is a really good squad." There's a yeah, lot of yeah. good players in there. I don't mind. Like the centre backs look alright, and I'm like, this this team's actually pretty good,
3: and it seems yeah. But odd. also the third oldest squad in the Premier League, you know. So we, there's there's something about that that's 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 not going to work, I think.
2: I, th- I, th- I always go back to the old Wimbledon analogy, you know. In that, like, you remember when Wimbledon were playing Liverpool in the FA Cup final in like 1703 or whatever it was? Um, and they, they, I remember They won their games because they were a great team. They didn't really, I mean, they had a hard man in Vinnie Jones and they had some decent players like Dennis Wise, but they were a really good team and they played as a team and played well together. They didn't need to have superstars. And I think that is, and I know the game has changed a lot since then, but I still think fundamentally, if you have the right setup, you you can play really well. I mean, look at Leicester. You know, I mean, Mm. I I know they have some really decent players, too, but when they won the Premier League, I mean, nobody thought they would win the Premier League. Mm-hmm. And they all worked as a team. They worked well. They had a good goal scorer and they played to his strengths. And uh, they're actually doing the same at the moment. Yeah.
1: See, I genuinely think you've got that in David Moyes. Uh, obviously, uh, you, you know I'm an Everton fan. So I watched David Moyes for what 11 years in a row. And there were points where he wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't even play a striker. He played six midfielders. And as a fan, you look at that and you think, you know, I, I want to be entertained and you are robbing that from me. However, when you watch that team play, it's a pragmatic team who who wait for opportunities, they defend well, they're very organized, everyone knows their job. And the longer they do that, the more you start picking up those 50-50 results. And and I think that if you look at your side, it is quite unbalanced when it comes to kind of big money, high flair, but low work rate and then high work rate but need a bit more skill. And I think what David Moyes will do is he'll almost ostracize the the big money high skill. He'll play the the high work rate and he'll say to those who are who are almost more gifted, you've got to improve your work rate if you're going to get back in the side. I'd rather play an 18-year-old boy who works his socks off than I'd play you because you're worth big money. And So I think you've got a manager that's going to do that for you.
2: Yeah, look, I, I agree. But then you also need to bring it into the context of what – we as fans are looking for yeah. compared to what the premier league has become like we as West Ham fans. Well, let's speak for myself. I don't actually give a shit about the results. I know that the Southampton guys are saying, you know, if it, when it all came down to it, they were like, I want the W, but like, I actually don't give a shit. I just want the team to all give a hundred percent. Right. Yeah. And, and the results will come as a result of that. But the premier league is a results business now. And, you know, there's definitely a disconnect between this discussion about what we are looking for and how we think that team should be set up and, you know, getting big money signings in and, you know, I've been excited about your team. At the end of the day, we've no fucking clue how a Premier League uh, club really works. You know, like the, the ins and outs of bonuses on uh, goal bonuses, time bonuses. Number of games played, you know, the all the shenanigans that go on behind the scenes for transfers, you know, informal tapping up of players, um, you know, the the actual cash flow of of a club, the. Um, the the amount of money that the owners have you know what are they trying to actually do are they trying to get somebody to buy the club or do they see long-term value in it are they fans themselves like the two Davids purport to be like there's just so much to a club that we have no fucking clue about and at the end of the day all we want as fans is for the team to give 100% and hopefully get a little bit of entertaining football out of it and then the odd win, so we don't get relegated. You know, I mean, we're not, We, I don't think we'll ever win the league. I think the highest mm-hmm. we've ever got is third in nineteen eighty six. But like, I can't see us ever winning the league unless we turn in, unless some somebody like Red Bull comes in, buys us, and it's then we go money. out and pick and choose every best player from the list. You know, and 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 bring them all in and become something completely. I mean, we're already something alien to nineteen eighty six, but even more. Alien to that, you know. <laughs> um, do either of you know where Jack Wilshire is? <laughs> he, he's, in, he's in a fucking injury, rare, uh, the, the realm, right? Somewhere
0: because <laughs> he's only played like two or three games for you since he signed, and there's talk of him getting by bought out of his contract to leave, isn't there? Just
1: asking oh, to get yeah, away, 100%,
2: yeah. 100%. He's gone, yeah. Yeah! Wow. I mean, it, it was it was a a classic West Ham. Let's take a punt on an injured player. We had something like we'd fucking we we bought a guy. Called, his name was Sicknote. <laughs> fucking Kieran. What? Dyer, oh God, was
3: about to say.
2: Kieran Dyer's fucking name was Sicknote. I mean, why would you buy a player called Sicknote? <laughs> 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 it it's 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 laughable. Like Andy Carroll has made a fucking glass unless he's in Newcastle. Oh yeah, actually, <laughs> he's made a <it> That's <laughs> true. Um,
0: what so like? What do you, you want from this season? What does a good season look for like for West Ham this year? What would make you go? Oh, you know what? Actually, Moyes has done well. We've forgotten about the two Davids for a little bit, and we're back in the stadium and on the last day of the season, and we've done X and Y what would those things be that make you go, this has been a good season?
2: Well, I think we do have the responsibility to speak a little bit on behalf of all West Ham fans to say that, you know, like I personally, you know, I'm not I'm not a GSB out, like there's this, you know, trending hashtag about Gold, Sullivan and Brady out. And mm. I'm not necessarily one way or the other with that. I just, uh, I don't many other things to be worrying about to be honest with you (laughs) but i think the majority of west Ham fans and and i'm talking about the old school boys the boys who are still pissed off that upton park is gone because it was their lives like you Mm. know these are these are you know and obviously you know my my thick cockney slash sydney accent (laughs) you know i I shouldn't be speaking on behalf of you know, the people <laughs> who grew up around uh, that area, and you know, went to the games with their granddad, and then their father, and then now they go, they went with their sons, etc. But like success for most of the West Ham faithful and the real hardcore boys is getting the boy, getting those two two owners to leave to sell up. And um, you know that that's taken up most of the um, the the breathing space of the West Ham faithful over the last while. Me personally if we could start playing some entertaining football, get a few results along the way um, and get the focus away from all that, I, I'm I'm okay with the two boys staying. I met David Gold a few times and he's a lovely man, really lovely man, has a lot of time for all of the fans. He came, I mean, I'm not sure what age he is. I think he's in his, he's in he's in his, late, 70s. his yeah, late 70s, flew all the way to New Zealand, came to the pubs where we were in and met, went around every single fan Shook their hand, took photos, thanking everybody for the support. You know, I've never met David David Sullivan, um, but uh, it's just it's a hard one for us because there's so much going on around the club. There's so much negativity, you know, and the old what I would say the real hardcore fans. They, they're kind of, we don't give two hoots about the football right now. We need to get these two guys out of our club. Um, and, and I understand that. I, I I get that. What I would like to do is kind of go draw a line under the stadium. It is what it is. That's our home now. Um, these, are our, these are our owners. This is the team we have. It's a good team on paper. And, you know, I'd be fucking roasted for this, but, you know, the whole get behind the team. Like, you know, all the fans are behind the team. They're behind the club, but not in its current state.
3: I think the interesting mm-hmm. thing with the Davids as well that I think Bear's mentioning is that it was actually Allardyce that said it recently. He said the, the two Davids actually fucking love the club. Like, they love the club. But mm-hmm. the issue is that, and I think what I think what the issue is that they're in too deep now and they can't take the club any further. So they're holding on for dear life and they're, they're just not equipped financially to do anything more than what they wish they could. But the game that they talk... Has, has kind of seemed like a bit of a fallacy to the supporters. So it's, I think that's, that's also at the heart of, you know, just complicates the matter, I guess.
1: See, as, a, as football fans and as, as fans of West Ham, try and answer honestly, does it exhaust you? That you that you constantly with other West Ham fans having these conversations that are not about football. They're not about how good your left back is or the you know the formation of your midfield. They're about these kind of bigger picture things, which, as you said, we've only got such a small window through the looking glass into.
3: Hundred percent. I mean, well, I haven't known any different. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know what it's like to talk before with West Ham fans. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's,
2: he's not really that wrong, you know. I mean, like I used to go to—I used to go to Upton Park with my dad. We used to save up and we'd fly over from Dublin, spend the weekend with my aunt. Who, you know, is the reason that I'm a West Ham fan in Richmond. And uh, you know, I look back in those days and my, my father passed away last year and you know, I, I I feel that I'm one of the very lucky ones that I spent that time at Upton Park with my dad and you know, had all these amazing memories. And it right now is so far removed from that. It's so far removed from that. Like I gave up two seasons ago. Like, you know, I was done with, with West Ham. I, you know, had a had a, a young one year old boy and I was like this, this is not worth my time anymore. I, I'm going to just stop watching the games. I'd get up at, you know, two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock mm. in the morning. We used to go have breakfast meets and cheers fire. They'd open the doors for us at 5 a.m. <laughs> we'd go in, we'd have tea and toast. Some of the boys would have a pint at you know, 6 a.m. before they went I to work. I in my coffee, to be honest. <laughs> 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 you know, like we, we are diehard West Ham fans. Yeah. My wife thinks I'm fucking mental. What are the <laughs> name your kids like? Yeah, my, my kids are named Bobby after Bobby Moore and Frankie after Frank McAvenny, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Amazing.
3: <laughs> we are, we are
2: mad, mad diehard fans. And for us to, to, you know, we spend all our money traveling around uh, Australia just to meet, not even to watch a game, but to go to an A-League game and have a barbecue with, yeah. just to be around other West Ham fans. For for us to not be talking about football, for us not to be enjoying it. it, even the losses when we were playing badly years and years ago, we were still talking about the football and we
3: enjoyed going to the game until the, kind of bit, the ref like, blew the whistle and then we'd hard, go home oh, miserable. The last ten years you know, we had the we had the biscuit boys, you know, with Aggie, and like it's just been it's just been a shit fight over the last fifteen years, especially. It's just been. Since the Browns, like it's just been horrendous. Yeah, it takes, and it takes so little to keep us in.
2: Yeah. Like so little. We're like and, smell of an oily rag, kind of. Yeah, things. I mean, the, the mm. Davids, all they would have to do is a little better communication with the fans, not a token gesture, a, a, a serious, proper communication
3: with the fans, um, and I think that will go a long way. But this is how amateur Sullivan was at the start. Before we had ex-West Ham, um, a West Ham employee breaking transfer news, David Sullivan's 12-year-old son, Jack Sullivan, he would be breaking the transfer news on his Twitter profile yeah. as a 12-year-old <laughs> before anybody would know. It was fucking bushly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. this is not a joke. Hold on. Do all teams not do that? <laughs> well <laughs> so can't okay, Man United
2: are doing that. Yeah.
3: I'm not sure how many seventy eight <laughs> year olds have twelve year old <laughs> sons. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm
2: pretty sure Liverpool's owners gave their prepubescent vessel some kids um, information for the fans, for anyone else, no? Um,
3: <laughs> yeah. It was so embarrassing because then David Gold would tweet it out a day later and everyone's like, yeah, Jack Sullivan, the 10 year old, had already just tweeted it. And I mean, you can imagine how off the fans would be to get their information
2: like that. I mean, it, 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 it didn't need a it doesn't need a rocket scientist to figure out that just better communication. And again, you know, David Sullivan, just don't go on to radio shows. Do not. Mm. Like, if you're going to use anybody, like, use David Gold. Definitely don't use Karen Brady. I mean, I'm not quite sure what she does at the club, to be honest. I mean, She's I just you know, She makes a lot of money for what she does, an awful lot of money. And, you know, again, we're a working class club. We are a working class club and a lot of people don't have a lot of money and it pisses them off when somebody like Karen Brady, um, who they don't know what value she brings to the club, comes out and starts saying things that annoy them. And again, it just goes back to a little bit of communication. It's like anything in life. You know, it's like a relationship. They should have a better relationship with their fans and be working harder on it. And I think that would go a huge way. Uh, to fixing this, m- I mean it's it's a chasm, it's not a divide yeah. it's the Grand Canyon and I'm not sure it'll ever be filled in
0: um, Robbie and Rick, I'll, I want to say thank you for talking to us about West Ham and this is the point where I say to you, where can other West Ham fans get in contact with you and talk to you but I'm not sure I really want to tell them now because it seems no, like when you are back together <laughs> <laughs> it, just, no longer, it just goes down no
2: longer, go support a good team
0: (laughs) (laughs) but no genuinely if there is some west ham fans out there in australia and they want to get involved and kind of catch up with you guys at the pub or whatever what's the best place to go on facebook or website or whatever to get in contact and find out where you guys are hanging out
2: yeah look no matter where you are in australia there's a supporters club near you um all the way from perth northern territory um Adelaide, Melbourne, uh, New Zealand boys are, if you're, if you're over that way and listening to this, the New Zealand boys are great too. There's a tiny little group in Brisbane and uh, I think it's just one guy called Dave um, <laughs> to to, to, to and uh, Dave Rhodes up in, in Brisbane was, was one of the, the first ones to to really put together a big West Ham supporters club so from Brisbane and they meet up in the Pig and Whistle but uh, assuming you know COVID regulations and all that I don't know what it's like up there but uh, we we used to meet up in the Royal Exhibition Hotel um, we don't anymore we got a Cheers bar in George Street in Sydney and um, we go there with all the other fans and they have about thirty TVs. So, you know, there's groups of all different fans at, at Cheers Bar. It's predominantly a Liverpool pub, but we tend to outsing them even if we have not <laughs> even
3: to, be
2: even if we've only five West Ham fans there, you can barely hear a peep out of them. So um come down to Cheers Bar if there's a game on. I think actually Leicester is our the next game is at a decent time, It's at ten o'clock or something on a Sunday evening. And um, so we might try and organize something uh, for that game next week, I think yeah. it is. Um, but yeah, come down. If, if you don't want to come down in person, join our Facebook page. It's just Sydney Hammers. And, um, you know, feel free to email us at chairman at sydneyhammers.com.au. We've got a Twitter handle, which is at Sydney Hammers. And get in touch if you want to you know ask us questions about uh, you know buying merchandise or um, watching the games whatever it is Uh, we're a pretty friendly bunch so just get in touch we'd love to hear from you
0: Awesome thanks guys now it's time for our final three questions now I'll ask you both
2: (laughs) (laughs) so both of you
0: one word answers what would West Ham's final league position be this year Rick you go first none Ninth. Robbie, what about you?
3: One. (laughs) Optimistic. Um, His nose just hit the screen. Uh,
2: Sorry, one one word answer. Sorry. You're asking an Irish man for a one word fucking answer. No, no, no. Yes. I've had about about four (laughs) Guinness. Where do we finish? I'm going to go eight. 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 Just so you know, that uh,
0: um, Jeff has uh predicted that Everton will win the league this year. You know, we do like an annual predictions for every season, and Jeff's decided that Everton are going to win the league this year.
2: Well, so, we, uh, we donate we donate six points to him, so he's fucking on his way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I've got to say, that was that was four weeks ago we did the predictions, and now we're sitting top of the league after week three. What
3: are, yeah. you, I mean? Come on here. <laughs>
0: Next one, uh, if there's one player in the West Ham squad that uh, any fan of football, not specifically West Ham fans, but anyone should watch out for this season, who is that player?
3: <laughs> I was going to say Declan, but he'll be, he'll be wearing a blue shirt in a few weeks. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Suchek.
0: Yeah. yeah, I've got a lot of time for Suchek. He's been good. Um, and now off uh, off club football, but on international football, Who's going to win the Euros next year?
2: You're asking in Norvish <laughs> Yeah. So <laughs> Wales. Literally, this is the worst podcast I've ever been on in my life. Who's going to win, you guys? Is <laughs> this the only podcast you've been Yeah, it's the only podcast.
3: <laughs> so I we are the best in make- the world.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to... Oh, fuck. That's a tough one. Um, who's
3: going to win the Euros? Yeah, <sighs> fuck. Germany.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. France. France. Nice, yeah. awesome. Um, that is everything. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for your time today. Um, it's been really good talking to you about West Ham and getting to hear about more a bit more about it. Um, everyone at home who's been listening if you want to get in contact or ask us questions um, just head to footballshed.com or you can search footballshed on Facebook We can email us at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com and we will be back soon with another Shed special um, and thanks guys
2: Thanks guys This was the uh, Love the Kill band <laughs> <laughs>